it is another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in live here at Joy 620 or you're listening to the podcast or the archive of the show at investinghope.com or iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found, you can find this show. You can even tell Alexa to play it. Uh, we'd appreciate that. But we have a lot to talk about today. Today we are going to look at, of course, at the last show we talked about the Supreme Court taking up a case out of Mississippi. And it's one of the first cases in a very, very long time in decades, really since 1992, that the the Supreme Court has taken up a case that may have its sights set directly on Roe v. Wade that was uh, put into law uh, in 1973. So today what we're going to do is look at since that decision was made. So since since the Supreme Court said, hey, we're going to look at this case out of Mississippi, how have folks reported on this issue? How have uh, you know places like thehill.com, how, how have CNN, how have others reported on this issue? And what you'll find is the way they report uh, on this and the way they paint pro-lifers and those that stand against abortion, it's almost like there was a, uh, you know, in Batman, there's the signal that goes into the sky and Batman comes. He knows, okay, there's problems. Commissioner Gordon needs me. The city needs me. I'm going to, I'm going to go into effect. It's almost like when this occurred, it was like the abortion industry put a, uh, a light in the sky and said, okay, we need all of our partners. We need everyone. We need CNN. We need the Hill. We need all these bloggers to come out in full support and attack those that would want to see abortion ended or restricted. And that's what happened. So we're going to start at the Hill.com. And uh, the article, uh, the the, uh, the headline says it all. The poor and minorities will be most affected if Supreme Court changes abortion law. So let's just go through this. Here's what they say. Anti-abortion activists, of course, that's pro-lifers, but they always call us anti-abortion. Now, now, what do they call those that are pro-choice? Do they call them pro-abortion? Of course not, but that's the day that we live. So anti-abortion activists, pro-lifers are closer than ever to achieving their ultimate goal, overturning Roe v. Wade. That is our ultimate goal. This week, and this was written last week, they celebrated the news that the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear a major abortion case, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. The case concerns a Mississippi state law that would ban almost all abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Well before a fetus is viable. Notice they call it a fetus there and they talk about viability as if viability matters to the abortion industry. Does viability matter to the abortion industry? Of course it doesn't. Because if this law said we're going to ban all abortions after 28 weeks, would the Hill write, well, I mean, a, a baby is viable at 28 weeks, so we shouldn't have abortions? Of course they wouldn't. So this is, this is already starting off to be, uh, unfair and and acting as if they would approve a law that that said we're going to protect babies once they're viable no viability matters nothing to the abortion industry and and i know that because they want to allow for abortion all the way up to nine months so so don't bring up the term viable viable means nothing absolutely nothing to the abortion industry but that's what they say in this article with the court's new six to three conservative majority, the outcome could be devastating for abortion access. So the Supreme Court has been considering whether or not to take up this case for a year and a half. They even conference owned it 17 times before agreeing to take it up. Now, 
we will find out how much this new 6-3 conservative majority respects precedent, as this case gives the court an opportunity to overturn close to five decades of legal precedent surrounding abortion rights. Now, now let me break this down for you. See, precedent matters when it deals with an issue that, that these folks believe in strongly. Precedent didn't matter when it meant a marriage and, and marriage being between one man and one woman. Precedent didn't matter. Although precedent set from the beginning of time said that marriage is one man, one woman, when the courts decided that marriage can be defined in a, in a broader sense, these folks weren't writing articles saying that precedent mattered. There was a precedent at one point in time that said black people could be enslaved. But guess what? That changed. There was precedent at one point in time that said black people had to drink from certain water fountains and couldn't use certain bathrooms. But that was changed. There was precedent at one point in time that said women couldn't vote. But that changed. You see, when, when you make the argument that it's all about precedent, and the courts have said this for hundreds of years, and there's been precedent that has been set, well, that means nothing if it's unconstitutional. That means nothing if the legislature changes its mind. That means nothing if the courts look at the decision that was made back in 1973 and says, hold on, hold on, we we missed this one. We missed this one. You want to talk about precedent? There were judges at that time that said, if, if we ever decide, and if science ever decides that that we're dealing with actual humans, actual lives in the womb, and personhood, well, then abortion goes away immediately. Well, folks, science has progressed. That, that's why when folks say you're, you're anti-science if you're pro-life or if you're Christian, they're anti-science if they're pro-abortion. Period. It, it's not about... Now, my biblical worldview compels me to be pro-life. But guess what? Science also should compel us to be pro-life. Why? Because science has told us that is a human growing in the womb. Now, now we don't need science books to tell us that. All we have to do is look around us. Everyone you put your eyes on grew inside of a womb. Period. Everyone you've ever seen walk the planet grew inside of a womb. That's all you need to know. It is life and it deserves protection. This article goes further. Roe established that abortion is permitted until viability. Generally, at around 24 weeks, Dobbs v. Uh, or the Mississippi law strikes at the heart of that principle. As it hears the case, the Supreme Court will consider just one clearly delineated question, whether or not, quote, all pre-viability prohibitions on elective abortions are unconstitutional, end quote. If the court decides a ban that prohibits abortion two months before viability is constitutional, it would essentially gut the protections guaranteed under Roe. And that would open the floodgates. A number of other gestational age bans have been passed in states hostile, notice the words there, hostile to abortion rights, though they are currently blocked by the lower courts. If the Supreme Court upholds the Mississippi ban, that could all change. What's more, 24 states would likely act to ban abortion outright should the Supreme Court decide to overturn Roe. In that case, 41% of women of reproductive age would see their nearest abortion clinic close, forcing them to travel much greater distances to access abortion care. Right now, on average, a patient would need to travel 35 miles to access abortion. But under this new scenario, 
they would need to travel 279 miles. Guess what, folks? If, if this, if Roe is ever overturned, it goes back to the states. Some states will say, you can get an abortion here all the way up to nine months. Some states will say, you cannot get an abortion here. It's that simple. It's the same thing when you look at gun laws or when you look at any laws. Even even in our country right now, there are still some gyms that are not open across the country because of the pandemic. While in Tennessee and in Florida and other states, the governors have decided otherwise. In some states, you can open carry, constitutionally carry a firearm. In other states, you cannot do that. In some states, you have a right to carry concealed. In some states, you do not have a right to carry concealed. In some states, you have a right to buy a firearm in, in, in a number of different ones and have as much ammunition as you want. In other states, they have different laws. That's why we are a republic. And so, yeah, some states are going to do things differently. This is not a crazy idea. The article goes further. This has been the goal of anti-abortion activists since Roe became the law of the land. And they have pursued pursued it with a legislative strategy for decades. Yeah, that's correct. That is completely factual. It, it has been the goal. The reason I took the job at Hope Resource Center was to, to help serve those in need in our community and also to assist in seeing abortion become a thing of the past. A footnote, a footnote in history. And we still have a long, a long way to go. Conservative lawmakers and state legislatures deliberately pushed unconstitutional state laws restricting abortion access to challenge Roe, hoping that an anti-abortion majority would one day dominate the Supreme Court. That day has arrived and access to abortion care for millions of Americans could soon be decimated. Now think about what they're saying. Now if you just change the language just a little bit, That day has arrived and access to ending the life of humans for millions of Americans could soon be decimated. Because that's what abortion is. It is the act of ending the life of a human. Now, they can call it a fetus. They can call it a blob. They can call it a clump, whatever they want to call it. The reality is it has its own DNA. It has its own blood type. It has its own organs, its own fingerprints, its, its own its own everything, its own brain, hair color. Never been another one created like it. Never will be another one created like it. But they don't want to talk about that. They just want to talk about the right to end the life of that human. The article goes further, but let's be clear. Access to abortion is already inadequate. So, so they're arguing... Currently, we don't have enough access to abortion. We just need all the abortions. Bring it all on. Everybody needs access at any time, anywhere, for any reason. Says the rights enshrined in Roe have never been enough. A flood of restrictions from the Hyde Amendment to waiting periods. Now, the Hyde Amendment, so they're saying that, that we also need to pay for it. Our tax dollars need to pay for it. What if, what if the NRA said, you know what, in order to so that everybody be armed, the government should buy weapons for its citizens. People would call them crazy. But here we go. Roe is not enough. We need more access. We need taxpayers to pay for it. We don't need any waiting periods. They, they, uh, it says here that, that abortion, uh, 
Those that stand against abortion want a ban on tele, telehealth for medication abortion. Now, now I'll say this. I can't go into detail, but I know that there are folks in our community and around this country that, that have experienced telemedicine abortion and had to find themselves in an emergency room and, 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 and scared out of their mind because they didn't have a doctor with them, but because they got the pills via the mail. Is that the direction we want to go? Is that empowering women? Is that protecting women's rights? Five to seven percent of those that take the pill have to go into the emergency room and have emergency surgery. Is that, is that empowering women? Of course it's not. The article goes further. This year on the Population Institute's 50 state report card on reproductive health and rights, Mississippi and 22 other states received failing grades. Looking at the grades on a map reveals that they are mostly in the South and Midwest. If the Supreme Court would decide that pre-viability abortion bans are constitutional, people in the South would have to travel considerable distances in order to obtain, now they call this, basic essential health care. Now what if this read, people in the South would have to travel considerable distances in order to end the life of the baby growing inside of them. You see, there's a reason why they're not going to write it that way. Because that's going to make us uncomfortable with what's happening in our society. So instead, they're going to call it basic essential health care. Basic essential health care to this author of this article is ending the life of a human. That's basic essential health care. This would present an unsurmountable barrier to abortion care for all but those with the means to travel. This is especially egregious today when people with lower incomes have disproportionately affected by the pandemic and its economic upheavals. At a time when we need to make abortion more affordable and accessible, the Supreme Court may completely devastate access to abortion in this country. And this is a burden that will not be equally shared. Rich people will always be able to travel to access the abortion care they want, while those who are already marginalized, black people, brown people, low-income individuals, young people, And the LGBTQ community will be left to bear the weight of this infringement on their reproductive freedom. Now, now think about this. If you, if you just looked at a Google map and you looked at where the vast majority of abortion clinics are located, they're located in low income areas, in minority neighborhoods. Now, why is that? Now, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, would argue it's because we want to eradicate the weeds of society. You know what the weeds of society were? It was the minority community. You see, it wasn't about access to women's health care. It was about getting rid of minorities. That was the goal. Look it up. That's why you've seen over the last few months Planned Parenthood come out and try to distance themselves from Margaret Sanger because she was racist and she wanted to eradicate minorities via abortion. But we shouldn't sit idly by while this is happening. So I hope the Supreme Court takes a, I hope they look at this case in Mississippi and I hope they, they rule in favor of Mississippi and I think they will. We'll talk more when we come back. You are a child of born of my so if you can't tell, I'm a little fired up with what, uh, <laughs> what has been said over the last week or so because it's frustrating, folks. Look, look, if we're going to, uh, if we're if we're going to have this dialogue and this conversation, then at the very least, let's be transparent and honest. So when you when you call pro-lifers anti-abortion, that's an accurate state. I don't have a problem with being called anti-abortion. I am 100% anti-abortion. 
unapologetically anti-abortion. You, you could, you know, put that tattoo on me. Don't have a problem with saying that. What I have a problem with is when, when folks that, that claim to just simply be for choice get angry when you say they're pro-abortion. Oh, no one, no one is pro-abortion. What sure sounds like it. Sure sounds like it when article after article after article says we don't have enough Roe. Roe doesn't go far enough. Tax dollars should pay for abortion. Sounds like to me you're pro-abortion. Right? So, so when, when, when you say as a, as a pro-choicer, look, I'm not pro-abortion, but yeah, I think abortion should happen all the way up through nine months. I think you should have telemedicine. I think it should be easier to, to get abortions. I don't think there should be waiting periods. If you're a minor, you shouldn't have to tell your parents or, or your guardians. Uh, we should do it secretly. Uh, we should take you in the back door of the abortion clinic so nobody knows. We, insurance should pay for it. Tax dollars should pay for it. Sounds like to me you are seeking to be pro-abortion. Now, you may not see it that way. But just look at the language that you use. Now, the, the, the even beg, better question from there is, what is an abortion? So if you are pro-abortion, what is that? We talked about it time after time on this show, that abortion, a successful abortion, ends the life of a human, period. What is a botched abortion? When we talk about botched abortions, it means the baby's still alive. So... In simple terms, a failed abortion means baby lived. A, a successful abortion means baby died. That's the simplest way to define it. Now, you can call it a fetus. You, you can call it these other things. But the reality is, it's a baby. It's a human. As I said, has its own DNA, its own blood type, its own heartbeat, its own fingerprints. Fingerprints that have never been created before and will never be created again. We, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. I saw a video the other day of a, a canine officer abusing his dog. It went viral. He got fired. He probably is going to face charges. We rightfully get upset at that. I'm an animal lover. I have a bunch of them at the house. We rightfully get upset at that. Every year, in the freest country on the planet, we have close to 1 million abortions, successful abortions. So what does that mean? Let's define it. That means 1 million individual lives with their own DNA, with their own brain, with their own hair color, with their own blood type, with their own fingerprints. Every year, a million of them see their life ended while in the womb. And it's crickets. When I bring it up, I'm called a, I'm called a zealot. When I bring it up, I'm called a, a crazy right-wing nut job seeking to, to put women down, and you're clearly not for women's health. Although they're not taking into account the amount of females that are being aborted every year. You want to talk about race? They're not taking into account the amount of minorities being aborted every year. We're not going to talk about that? We're not going to wrestle with it as a society? 
from an ethics standpoint? I saw a headline today about China. And it said they they loosened up their restrictions. They now allow you to have two kids. And, and for whatever reason, people aren't having children over there. Think about what that headline's saying. They're trying to make it out as if, hey, it's just the government saying, hey, only have one child. Don't have more than one child. Well, let's dig deeper into that. What does that mean? That means government is saying, if you get pregnant with your second, you got to have an abortion or face the consequences. That's why you find children in China left on the street. That's why orphanages are overflowing. Because people are terrified of what may happen to them if, they, if they're found out that they've had more. And then you wonder why when you say, oh, you're allowed to have two, that people aren't doing it because they're, they're terrified. And we just write a headline in America, the freest country on the planet, by going, you know, China eased up on it. They eased up on their one-child restriction. We should be calling that what it is. Government-forced abortions in China have have limited the amount of babies that are being born. That's why places like Deeper Steel are looking to put places in China. Because the women are talking about having three, four, five, six abortions. Because it's put on them that you have to do this. I mean, come on, folks. We're better than that. I think, aren't we? But we can't even sit down and and accurately define what an abortion is. There's an article over at National Review talking about this. And, and I think it's important. I mean, I've said it a multi, I've said it multiple times on here and we've gone through it. But the, the pro-choice narrative is, is one that, that doesn't accurately define what an abortion is. And the article says this. Have you ever asked someone who is pro-choice to answer a simple question? That question being, what is abortion? Try it. They'll never directly answer. And here's why. The pro-abortion movement is wedded to euphemisms and misinformation. Jessica Valenti, a well-known feminist author, recently wrote in a guest essay for the May 13 issue of the New York Times that, quote, the primary political strategy of abortion foes relies on the claim that abortion is brutal and dangerous, a myth that is much harder to perpetrate when people can easily access medicine to safely end their pregnancies at home, end quote. This represents a fundamental misrepresentation of pro-life arguments. Pro-choice activists have always lied and and mischaracterized while refusing to accept medical and scientific advancements over the past five decades. It is the only reason the abortion movement survives. The entire abortion movement relies on failing to deal with the reality of abortion on its terms. This is because acknowledging the fundamental truth of abortion, a procedure that violently ends the life of a human being, would be the undoing of the movement. You've seen this in some of the nervous dread shown by abortion proponents after the announcement that the Supreme Court would take up a case concerning the permissibility of Mississippi's abortion regulations. As proponents sense that the uh, that all the lies they built up over the years with the court's help may be threatened. So let's tell the truth. Abortion is dangerous, brutal, and harmful. But the primary victim of abortion isn't the woman. It is the human baby that abortion kills. A woman may be capable of undergoing an abortion without permanent physical damage, but an innocent human life is always ended. During abortion procedures, babies 
could be burned alive with saline solution. Today, they are more often pulled apart in pieces. Now, that's uncomfortable, and no one wants to talk about that, but that's the reality. So so we're going to call it terminating the pregnancy, but the reality is a baby's life was ended. The unjust, barbaric, and bloody reality of abortion, rather than, quote, myths, motivates millions of Americans to oppose abortion. Since 1973, when the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade first legally protected abortion, 62 million babies have been killed. That's 62 individual humans. Image bearers had their lives ended. No civilized society society should tolerate widespread and medically sanctioned killing. It's just, look, folks, we must talk about it. We must have these conversations because even though they make us uncomfortable, even though they're they're not fun conversations, they are conversations that must be had. And we must stand for those that can't stand for themselves. And the most vulnerable in our society are those growing in the womb, period. We'll talk more when we come back. So young girl and you know. So as we continue the conversation, look, the reason why we, we talk about these things, the reason why I talk about these things every single week is because I don't feel like it gets talked about enough. I mean, there, there's... There's a problem when a local news station, and I won't say which one, but there's a problem when a local news station will write a headline as flippant as China recently allowed their citizens to have multiple babies. But yet the the pregnancy rate declined. We're not going to go further than that. We're not going to go further than that. Think about if a local news station was around when slavery was occurring. We're just going to write, hey, the, the South recently allowed for African Americans to have freedom and not be enslaved. Let's pat them on the back. Are you crazy? We just going to, we just going to act like it's no big deal? Why are we, you know, China's allowing them to have two kids now. Why are we mad at them? Even though for the longest time they only allowed one. And if you had more than one, you're going to be severely punished. uh, So you you need to have an abortion. In our country, around 62 million since 1973 aborted. uh, We see that number almost every single year around the world. You see, when we talk about abortion, we, we do so in terms of this country. But but if you look at the numbers around the world, what what do you think that number is? A 1999 study. Now this this goes back. Estimated around 46 million abortions worldwide each year. Now now this is an interesting number. 78,000 women died. So not only did the abortion end the life of their baby, it ended their life. We're we going to talk about that. We're going to we're going to have a conversation on that. Forty-six million abortions worldwide each year. Seventy-eight thousand women died around the world during the abortion. 
I don't know, seems, seems like something we need to think about. For every 1,000 women of childbearing age, 15 to 44, 29 were estimated to have an induced abortion in 2003. of unsafe abortions in 2003 occurred in developing countries with unsafe abortion rates at 39 per 1,000 women of childbearing age. But see, you know, when they look at these numbers, when, when the abortion industry looks at these numbers, they don't look and go, how do we prevent abortion? They look at these numbers and say, how can we make abortion safer? And, and when they say make abortion safer, they are completely ignoring the life of the baby. Completely ignoring it. You see, it doesn't matter about the safety of the baby. That's not a, their concern. So at no point is the conversation, how do we have less abortions? No, it's, it's how do we have more abortions, more access to abortion, and make them safer, even though every successful abortion ends the life of a human? How safe is that? What if a car company came out tomorrow and said, look, we're, we're gonna, we have the safest car on the market. Now, every time you have a wreck, at least one person's gonna die. But believe us, it's the safest car on the market and we're gonna do everything we can to keep making this car safe. But every time you wreck, one person at least will die in the wreck. You, you're gonna look at that car company and go, excuse me, but that doesn't sound too safe. Because one of us are dying. Yeah, that, that's nonsensical. It's crazy talk. Yet in the abortion world, we go, yeah, safe abortions. Completely neglecting the fact that we have an unborn child that's not even being part of the equation. We have advanced so far in, in, in science. That we can perform surgeries on a child in utero. We've advanced so far in science that now we're given anesthesia to an unborn child in utero. Because they, they feel pain and we don't want them to feel pain of this surgery we're about to perform. Yet, those same doctors, some of them, would willingly, knowingly, inject something into that child to end its life and say... Hey, we ended your pregnancy, but everything's fine. You're going to be fine. And man, this was a safe abortion. Even though you went into the clinic, there were two lives. You come out of the clinic and there's one life. Happens every day. Every day. But I'm a zealot and a crazy person when I get fired up about it. I mean, if we would just use common sense, and I know that's, that's, that's a big ask, you know, coming out of 2020. Common sense is kind of a, a thing of the past. And I, look, I don't want to be, you know, a lot of people on social media will post, they, they had this conversation with their five year old, and this five year old made a profound statement, and they posted, and, and to be honest, a lot of those conversations probably never happened. It's just that person wanting to show as if their their child understands better than you. But when it comes to abortion, just go ask. Go 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 tell any any child from six to to ten years old, any child, 
hey, do you know what an abortion is? And if they say no, just tell them. It's where a, it's where a mommy is pregnant, and then they go into a clinic, and when they come out, mommy's not pregnant anymore, and that baby is now no more. And watch the look on their face as they try to process what that means. What, what do you mean there was a baby and now there's not a baby? But that's where we are, where we have adults with multiple degrees looking us in our face and saying, we can make abortion safer. Safer for who? Because it's sure as heck not safe for the baby growing in the womb. Safer for who? For the, for the five to seven percent of women that, that receive a, an abortion that still have to go to the emergency room and have emergency surgery? Is it safe for them? For the 78,000 that I just mentioned that died? Is it safe for them? What about the 40 plus million that die every single year, babies in the womb? Is it safe for them? I mean, let's be honest, folks. Quit using these terms because they don't mean what you think they mean. We care about safety. We've created an environment and a culture where we have helicopter parents that, that, that buffer our kids from everything. We put plans in place to keep everyone safe. All at the same time allowing abortion to occur where the most vulnerable in our society, we purposely and intentionally end their life. What about a safe zone for them? Who stands for them? Where's their lobby? You see, these are tough discussions because it makes all of us uncomfortable. It's a lot easier just to turn our head to it and move on. I get it. I refuse to turn my head, though. I refuse to water down what's happening. Look, this isn't going to be won via social media. I saw that headline today about China, and I wanted so bad to post a long, lengthy rant about what's happening, but that's not going to do anything. The algorithms have it in such a way where I'm all I'm going to do is anger the certain people and, and have certain people cheer me, in, but nothing's going to happen moving forward. We're not going to win this issue on social media. We're not going to win this issue in the courts. You think I'm putting hope in people in, in robes in the courts? Of course not. Now, do I want to see the decision happen? Do I want to see Roe overturned? Absolutely. But do you think it's going to end there? Come on. If they rule in favor of Mississippi, which I think they will, you just wait. You will hear, you, you think that they've talked about stacking the courts in the recent weeks and months? You, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is the golden calf. This is the religion. This is the idol. Roe is the idol. You bring that bad boy crashing down and you just prepare.
But folks, we are prepared. We got a lot of work to do, but it's worth it. So worth it. We'll talk more when we come back. Oh, shame is a prison as cruel as a grave. Shame is a robber and he's come to take my name. As we finish up today, uh, look, I just want y'all to know that these discussions, I'm not telling you to like, when you go out with friends to take over the conversation and be a, be a jerk and, and all that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But, but what I am saying is we need to have these discussions. They need to be had in our churches. They need to be had in conversations with friends and family periodically. I'm not saying at Christmas time go, Hey, Merry Christmas. What about abortion? I'm not saying that. But we need to wrestle with these things. We as a society have wrestled with things. I mean, not only did we wrestle, I mean, in in the Civil War, we actually fought each other. Like families fighting families. We wrestled with each other when it came to civil rights, when it came to to women's suffrage. We wrestled with each other when it came to marriage. We, We wrestle with each other when it comes to tough things with the Iraq War. 9-11, race issues. Like we, we should wrestle with these things. That's how a country sustains, especially a republic. But in those conversations and in that wrestling, we better be honest and transparent. Don't use terms that you know will get a different reaction. So we're going to call it fetus or we're going to talk about viability when fetus and viability doesn't matter to you. And to the abortion lobby, it doesn't matter. They don't care about viability. It blows my mind when they say, well, what about rape, incest, life of the mother? And, and, and pro-lifers go, okay, we'll, we'll write those exemptions in the law. Well, no, that we, we don't need that law. Well, then why did you bring up rape, incest, life of the mother? I, I don't understand. You act as if we're, we're going back and forth and, 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 and trying to compromise, which I disagree with, but let's say we do that. But then when, when you have pro-lifers, the only ones that ever compromise, you have the abortion industry go, no, that, that's not good enough. I mean, you, you, you heard the article I read earlier from the Hill. Roe doesn't go far enough. We need more, more access, more abortions, taxpayer dollars. We need an abortion clinic on every street. We need abortion clinics in subdivision. We need Uber abortion. What are we doing? We're not dealing with animals. We're dealing with actual lives, individual human beings. But you're going to write and say uh, anti-abortionist and, and, you know, we're just dealing with a fetus and we're talking about the viability of the fetus. They write that because they know it doesn't make people uncomfortable. If instead of fetus, they said baby. And if instead of just abortion and women's rights, they said ending the life of a human. Well, that changes the whole argument. But they conditioned us 
to read fetus and viability and, and, and life of the mother and rape and incest and, and women's rights. They've conditioned us to go, well, yeah, I'm, I'm for women and I'm for their rights. And they know that. That's why they use that language. That's why they call pro-lifers anti-abortion, even though it's true. They call pro-lifers anti-abortion and pro-choicers, they refuse to call pro-abortion. They also refuse to recognize that every poll that's ever done says that there needs to be restrictions on abortion. Even pro-choicers in those polls say, well, yeah, I mean, there shouldn't be abortions in the third trimester. They can't even agree with themselves, which is why they use the language they use. Stop being conditioned. Call it what it is. Define the terms. Have them define the terms for you. What is a successful abortion? Two lives walk into an abortion clinic. Only one leaves. That's a successful abortion. A botched abortion means two lives walk in an abortion clinic and two lives walk out, meaning the abortion failed, meaning the baby lived. Successful abortion means baby died. It really is that simple. And so as we continue to have these conversations, which we're going to see over the weeks and months ahead because of the Supreme Court taking up the case out of Mississippi, be prepared to ask those questions to folks. To have those conversations with folks. Do it with grace. Do it with humility. Do it with compassion. Understanding that lives are involved. And then we'll see the ball move down the field. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.